Prepare to be inspired, entertained, and enlightened about gardening. Leslie Harris is into gardening, and you can be too. It's a new local gardening show designed for you, the gardener and the wannabe gardener. This is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio 98.9 and AM 1070 WINA. Welcome to Into the Garden with Leslie here on WINA. I'm Leslie Harris, and I'm so happy to have you join us again on this new gardening show. This is only the second week. The goal of the show is to provide a fun and informative platform to learn about all parts of gardening. Whether you're a beginner or a longtime digger, an apartment dweller or a farmer, or just somebody who likes to look at gardens, I want to bring the many aspects of horticulture to you. I think this is going to be a great show for local gardeners here in the Charlottesville area, but I also think that it could be able to translate to different places because we're going to talk about lots of different topics. If you listened last week, you know that we'll always have a plant of the week and a good interview. This week, we're talking to my friend Carol Carter, who's the president of the Botanical Garden of the Piedmont. And then at the end of the show, I'm going to talk about practical things to do in your garden each week. When we talk to Carol today, it's going to be about native plants. And the reason that I think this is so important is because, one, my knowledge of native plants could use improvement. And two, I think everybody's could. Well, maybe not Carol's because she's really good at it, which is why I'm having her on. It's so easy to just get lost in the trap of what's pretty. And what's pretty is a lot of times what's come from Asia. And so I want to encourage myself and everybody to understand better why to have plants that always were here. And it has to do with bugs and birds. And we're going to figure it out more together. This show is brought to you by Dos Amigos Landscaping, which is very kind of them to do. I also want to encourage you to get in touch with me because I don't know everything there is to know about gardening and you might have some questions or corrections, please feel free to reach out at intothegarden at wina.com. The other place you could find me is on Instagram. My handle is LeslieHarrisLH, and I do post some information, the occasional photograph of a grandchild. And I just think because horticulture is such a visual art that Instagram is a great place to explore it. You might see me on Facebook, but I'm not really there. If you want to get in touch with me, Instagram or into the garden with at WINA.com. When I started gardening back in 1987, native plants weren't even really on my horizon. I mean, the information might have been there, but I conveniently avoided it and just started my collection of hostas and hydrangeas. As I have learned to be a better gardener, and I realize that what I really love about gardening is being in touch with nature. I know how valuable it is to make nature more accessible to my yard. And the first level of doing that is to invite insects into my yard. If I invite the insects into my yard and see the occasional nibble of native bugs on native plants, then I'm going to be very happy to see native birds in my yard. And that's just like ornament and fun. So I really want to improve and enhance the connection that I always like with nature, even just by smelling the soil. If I can do it better, I want to. The plant of the week this week is a native, yay, the Ilex verticillata. I get my information about so many plants on the Missouri Botanical Garden Database, and I recommend that you check it out. It's easy to get to on Google. It's a little bit slow to load, which is frustrating. However, once the information comes, it's great information. The Ilex verticillata is more commonly known as the winterberry. This is an easy-to-grow shrub. It's native to bogs, but you don't have to have wet soil to grow it. I imagine like any plant, it needs a good deal of water to get established, and then I think you're fine. It does well in sun or shade. It gets to be at full maturity about 6 to 10 feet high, 
and six to 10 feet wide, but it's one of those plants that's not so dense and therefore quite easy to prune if you wanted to keep it smaller. It's deciduous and it has sort of not very amazing little white flowers in summer, but what you're going to grow it for is the berries. And the berries are just bright red and because of the structure of the plant, they just look great starting in late fall all the way through the winter. And if they don't look good all the way through the winter, then it's because you have lots of wonderful birds in your yard. And the birds that go for this are robins, cedar waxwings, woodpeckers, and more. So cut those branches to stick them into your winter container, but also don't forget to share them with the bird. And you're going to have the double decoration of the beautiful winter berries plus birds flitting all over your yard. Winterberry is in the Aquilaceae family, or isn't it just easier to say the holly family? Yes, I think so. Let's keep it simple. They are also dioecious, which is a fancy way for saying that you need to buy, <laughs> if there's a male, a male winterberry, he needs a harem. So if you're going shopping, uh, let's just say that one man would be able to service, sounds so sexy. I didn't mean to go sexy here. One man, one male plant would be fine for five female plants. And then what happens is the male will produce the pollen that the bees or other pollinators will take to the females and they'll all get those red berries. Okay, let's just go back to the G-rated gardening show. <clears throat> Again, this is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA. And I do want to remind you that I am on Instagram at Leslie Harris LH and that you can get in touch with me also on Into the Garden at WINA.com. Next up, we're going to talk to Carol Carter about understanding why native plants are important in your yard. This is Leslie Harris of Into the Garden with Leslie. Now more than ever, I find that people are creating outdoor living spaces at their homes that optimize their time outside. If you'd like to find out how to best utilize your outdoor space, check out my friends at Dos Amigos Landscaping. For over 16 years, they've been making outdoor spaces that are truly amazing. Spaces including patios, retaining walls, landscape design, and trail creation and maintenance, not to mention general landscaping. Check out their website today at dosamigoslandscaping.com. If you can build trust and persuade clients to invest in your ideas, apply today. If you love to prospect and sell your ideas to help clients grow their businesses, apply today. Hey, this is Jay James from News Radio 98.9 and AM 1070 WINA, and I want to personally invite you to come work with us. As a radio advertising sales professional, you will thrive in our fast-paced and creative workplace. The successful sales candidate will be results-driven, highly motivated, and have an exceptional work ethic. Imagine a sales career that allows unlimited income and growth potential, plus a solid benefits package. If we have your attention, now you know the power of radio advertising. This sales career is not for everybody, but the great jobs never are. Send your resume and cover letter to resumes at charlottesvilleradiogroup.com today. Again, send your resume and cover letter to resumes at charlottesvilleradiogroup.com. Saga Communications is an equal opportunity employer, and we answer every application. Apply today. This is Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA. It's a new local gardening show designed for you, the gardener, and even the wannabe gardener. Welcome back to Into the Garden with Leslie. I'm Leslie Harris, and I have Carol Carter here with me. Carol is the president of the board of the Botanical Garden of the Piedmont, which used to be McIntyre Botanical Garden, but they just had this fabulous name change as of what, Carol, like a couple weeks ago? Just It's just trickling down the um, cascade of signage and notifications now. An expensive process, I'm sure, but worth it to have the right name. Thank you so much. I hope to have Carol on the show a lot, and here's why. She's 
really good at gardening. She knows a lot of stuff. And she's the president of the board of the Botanical Garden of the Piedmont. But today we're actually going to talk, I mean, not, not that that can't come up, but I need Carol to help me do something that I really want to do with this gardening show. And Carol's going to help me get over a hump that I really want to do well. And the topic is native plants. And the reason that I want it to go well for me is because I want to improve my game at it. I want the topic to be accessible, informative, not scary, not judgmental. In other words, I don't want people to judge me because I am one of those unfortunate people who has an affinity for plants that were nat are native to Asia. So, I, But I, I want to learn, I want to improve, and I want Carol to help me. And then from there, I want to talk or touch on this topic every week as, as, as long as I can unless we're talking about like compost, which is another favorite topic. So Carol, how would you define a native plant? So Leslie, thank you for having me, first of all. Um, Pleasure. A good starting place um, in the definition is regionally native. Um, some might want to say native to North America or native to the United States. I think that's too big a spread. The ecosystems are too different. Um, folks who are really, really in the know will want plants to be within an even closer sphere, such like a, as the, the central Piedmont of Virginia, yeah. or within a certain soil or geologic or geographic zone. Wow. Um, I'm interested personally in those delineations, but I'm not there yet in my own practice. So I think there's a healthy place to start at the regionally native sphere. Okay. And so you would define our region as the Piedmont? I would say central Piedmont. Central Piedmont. And so how many, Virginia. quite large, so how many states would that include? Name some states for me here. Virginia. Well, I lived in Alabama for 15 years, and, the, and Alabama also has Piedmont. So oh. it's, it's, uh, it stretches across the southeast. So that is really, really Coastal helpful. Plain, think back to school. Coastal Plain, Piedmont, Fall Line, Ridge and Valley. Okay. Might have had the flu that week. Okay, good. I remember. I remember. Um, and so, so how far back in history should we go? Now we've got a now we've got a geographical, very helpful sort of idea. How back? How far back in history should we go? Because you and I, and and in fact, it's interesting because I don't know about your side of the family, but your husband's family come you know way, 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 way back, and yet not indigenous to the United States. And some you know some other people who stepped off the Mayflower, not native. So how do we define that in terms of time? First of all. Just to set the record straight, my family goes back as far as his does. Oh. Mine was just in Eastern Europe. <laughs> thank you for setting that straight. Thank you. Thank you. It's been here for a while, though. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. I think we have to meet people where they are, start where you're comfortable, and learn a little as you go. And then you can eventually get bragging rights when you attain a garden that's like only plants within a 10-mile radius. In terms of far back, I did answer that sort of a little bit later. Um and saying that much of our landscape is developed now. Um, so it's been changed radically, either through farming practices or through commercial development practices. There are tiny pockets of very pristine native landscapes. But mostly what we're trying to do is, uh, as native plant advocates is to create highly functional native ecosystems um, with uh, good biological diversity, spaces for people, plants, and pollinators. Okay. 
This is Leslie Harris with Into the Garden with Leslie, and I'm here with Carol Carter, who's the president of the Botanical Garden of the Piedmont, but she's also a pal and somebody that I always count on for plant identification. She's really smart. Okay, so we'll establish that. Can we establish? You've defined it in such a way, but we can establish that other people might define it other ways, right? In other words, it's, there's no set definition to this word native. Is that correct? I think that's fair to say um, there's a continuum of understanding about it. Um, there's a lot of research going into it now, um, and we should not let the perfect get in the way of the good yes. in our okay. bodies. I'm so glad because I am so not perfect and I want to be good. And so not easy to define and yet easy to articulate in terms of how important the concept is, even if it's a loose concept and how there are actually definite and quite doable things we can do to improve our practice going forward on this. Before we get into that, I'm just going to ask you for our viewer's sake, because I know you told me once, but I've forgotten. How is it that you do know so much, Carol, about gardening? You, you worked at, where, did, where were you that you learned so much? <laughs> you flatter me. Um, actually, I know very little, and I'm smart enough to answer that I'm always learning and relearning what I forgot yesterday. Yeah, me too. Um, quote about being an old man and a young gardener, gardener is um, spot on. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like so many gardeners, I learned to love gardening from my parents and grandparents. So this is a commercial for all you parents and grandparents out there. Teach your children to love plants. I personally, though, have actually been lucky to have a lot of gardening mentors throughout my life. A key opportunity was when I lived in Birmingham, Alabama, um, and volunteered at the Birmingham Botanical Garden for 15 years. 15 years? Um, Man. 15 years in Birmingham. Um, I learned so much. <laughs> I learned so much about perennials, native plants, and my real plant love affair there was trees and shrubs. Oh, yeah. Um, and that also ignited my keen passion for bringing a botanical garden to Charlottesville. So I'm thrilled to be a part of leaning into that effort. Leslie, I haven't had a television for 40 years, oh. so I've spent a lot of time reading gardening books and seed catalogs. <laughs> well, I don't even know how to respond to that. We're not going to make a joke about Bridgerton or how <laughs> I waste my time every night. That is awesome. And I, I love it how you're, how you're you know willing to make it so exciting and fun for other people to think about um, and, and all the better for us that, you know, that our community will benefit from your energy. I, I think that's awesome. Um, so thank you for addressing that. Now let's have some fun and get back to the natives. One of our heroes, both Carol's and mine, is a guy named Doug Tallamy. And people listening to this radio show, I hope know about him, but boy, if you don't, he is, he's written two seminal books that just make it Talk about accessible and informative. I mean, when you bring his, when you read his first one, which is called Bringing Nature Home, How You Can Sustain Wildlife with Native Plants. Now, like Carol, when I learned something about horticulture, I have to relearn it. But I can tell you that even though I read that book years ago, I just remember being like, it was like reading about the perfect storm when the boat's about to go down, like that sticks in your head, about how just the oak tree is so different than any other thing in terms of entertaining those little guys that run the earth, the insects in our yard, and being the host. And you just have to have an oak tree. And you have to have it like, well, 10 years ago is the best time to plant a tree. Today's the second best time. So, so talk to me about that. What do you remember about that first one? Oh, my goodness. I, the, oak, the oak tree was 
very profound, but also the wild cherry tree, which I am ashamed to say I had somewhat considered to be a little bit weedy. Messy tree. Now I messy think tree. It's fantastic. It's a really good tree. But it is messy. Um, don't, put, don't park your car under it, girl. <laughs> <laughs> right. The other thing about Doug Ptolemy, I will say, is that he is even more fun to listen to or to, um, you know, to see a slideshow that he's done because he's such an incredible photographer. He's very funny. He's quick, quick, quick. And um, as an entomologist, you, you know, you say the little things that run the world. Um, I think that was, I think, E.O. Wilson, who's another one up on that pedestal for me, he wrote, that you know that's a quote from him because he's the ant man he studied ants um but there are so many authorities and so little time doug is so terrific he's smart funny passionate and i can feel his urgency when i read his words or hear him speak and yet and um, yet he doesn't really he doesn't judge and he doesn't make it so it's no fun so let's talk about his Correct. next book. And before I say that, just want to say that I'm Leslie Harris with my radio show called Into the Garden with Leslie. And I'm here with Carol Carter, who's the president of the Botanical Garden of the Piedmont. And we are talking about native plants in general. Right now we're on the subject, a great one, of Doug Tallamy. So this last one had almost like a challenge, a personal challenge that anybody could rise to. And it's called Nature's Best Hope. has an awesome light blue kind of robin's egg blue cover. Um, nature's best hope, a new approach with conservation that starts in your yard. And it's like this patchwork thing. Can you, can you explain it? Well, um, he calls it the homegrown national park. And for more details, you can Google that or go to Doug's website. But, um, if all of us took our expanses of green lawn, which he thinks are just essentially ecological deserts and he's Right. If we would start to convert lawn gradually as individuals in a patchwork all over the country, um, we could have, and he has all the acreage and mileage, et cetera, but we could have this gigantic national park's worth of um, change in this country in terms of ecological benefits. Um, so that's really it's kind of a mind-blowing concept, and he makes it fun. Yes, because he does make it seem like, oh, I can be a part of this. Yeah, and we all can, and we all can. No matter if you have a tiny courtyard or you know you have a lot of a land to deal with. Quickly, because we're running a little bit out of time, but tell me about your practice and what do you do? Um, a few things that you like to do as a, an advocate for native plant habitat. General rule of thumb is pushing for at least seventy percent natives in your yard and I am not there yet because I still have an expense of grass um, that I am trying to work on. But I, I haven't ripped things out, but I just keep introducing enough things that I think I'm crowding out some of the old exotics that are here. And I'm, I'm taking them out as I need to. And I think that's something everybody can do. You don't have to tear up what you've got, but just start introducing the good stuff. In, in quantities, small quantities, the good stuff, the natives. Okay. And um, 70%. So now, to help me with my guilty problem, I moved into a lovely property with lots of oaks and tulip poplars, both of which are native. But then I have this strange affinity for hellebores. 
nastas and hydrangeas. So do, do my oaks help me? Do they help me out? Your oaks help you a lot. Um, your trees and your shrubs help you a lot. So if you can't do anything else, plant some trees and shrubs. Um, but um, the fun thing is when you plant the perennials and the, the things that are lower to the ground, you can watch the insects and you can watch the birds. You can watch the birds up in the trees, but it's sometimes a little hard yeah. to see them up there. That's what I would do. Okay. Um, Carol, we don't have a lot of time left, but I would love to know what your favorite uh, native plant is. Okay. Mind-blowing question. Um, my current very favorite is this um, button bush, which is Cephalanthus occidentalis. Um, it just won the Garden Club of America Freeman Medal, basically a plant of the year. It's a marvelous plant for a damp or boggy area. Um helps mitigate stormwater um, damage, and it provides nectar for butterflies and moths and has very cool seed heads that actually look a little bit like a coronavirus. I know. Um, I saw that. I have it in my yard. I'm like, oh, that's too weird. All right, I know, because we've been seeing it so much, yes, but it also have. feeds about 20 species of birds. Oh, good. So. I feel so much less guilty than I did a few minutes ago. Carol, this has been so great, and I really appreciate it because I want this concept to be, as I said, part of my show every week, a little bit at least. I don't want to get preachy or boring with it. It's going to be a good challenge for me and a good challenge for all gardeners who love plants that are native to, say, Asia. Um, and, you know, just to, to up our game, to improve ourselves. Thank you so much for helping me out. Um, <laughs> we'll be right back with our playlist, things to do in your garden this week and something to listen to while you are out there. This is Leslie Harris of Into the Garden with Leslie. Now more than ever, I find that people are creating outdoor living spaces at their homes that optimize their time outside. If you'd like to find out how to best utilize your outdoor space, check out my friends at Dos Amigos Landscaping. For over 16 years, they've been making outdoor spaces that are truly amazing. Spaces including patios, retaining walls, landscape design, and trail creation and maintenance, not to mention general landscaping. Check out their website today at dosamigoslandscaping.com. This is Into the Garden with Leslie. Next is CBS News Weekend Roundup on News Radio 98.9 and AM 1070 WINA. Welcome back to Into the Garden with Leslie on News Radio WINA, brought to you by Dos Amigos Landscaping. Now we're going to do the playlist, which is weekly practical information about what to do in the garden right now and maybe what to listen to while you're out there playing in your yard. So we've had a big thaw here in Charlottesville, and I'm very excited about that because for a while I sort of thought I was back living in New England. Loved Connecticut. Happy to be down here in Virginia, where at this time of year, you mostly don't have to wear mittens and things are happening in the garden. Just be aware as you start going outside and being in your garden beds of soil compaction. Typical garden soil is made up of 50% organic matters and minerals, but it's also a quarter water and a quarter air. And what happens is if you tromp around on it, the air conduits that get the water down to the lower roots of a plant might be mushed. Just be really aware that you can compact that soil and make it so the trees can't get the water that is actually adding to the soil compaction. How about getting some fertilizer on your bulbs? You might have some early emerging tulips or daffodils, and you might actually have some bulbs that have gone past, such as galanthus, snowdrops, or some early crocuses. A little bit of organic fertilizer is really going to help those 
When I plant bulbs, I like to try to make them as perennial as as they can be. Some of them, if they're happy, will multiply. And so I always fertilize. I recommend organic high in phosphorus. That's the number two on the bag. So maybe a three, five, four. Quick review on those numbers that you see on a fertilizer bag. The three numbers are N, P, and K. N is for nitrogen, and that targets coloring and chlorophyll. P is for phosphorus, and that targets roots. And of course, the bulb of a daffodil or tulip is the root. And the K is for potassium, which targets overall growth. I wasn't very good at chemistry, so I'm sure there's a good reason that K stands for potassium. It could be time to divide some of your early bulbs. So if you did have early galanthus or snowdrops or crocuses, and you see a little clump that's like, wow, that was really cute, but I want more, you can just take a shovel, dig it up as you would be digging up a perennial, put maybe a third or a half right back in the same hole, and take the rest and put them someplace else. It's like shopping in your own backyard, and it doesn't hurt them at all. It's easiest to do at this time of year because you can really see what you're doing. And don't forget that you want the foliage of your bulb to die back naturally. The chlorophyll is what feeds that bulbs in addition to maybe the organic fertilizer that I've just described to you. In addition, maybe to the organic fertilizer that we just talked about. Let's continue with your winter pruning this week. Let's talk about hydrangeas. Okay, they can be really confusing. If you've been following me on Instagram, that's Leslie Harris LH. I took the three basic types of hydrangeas and spread them out over three Tuesday tips. But I'm going to give you a short list of guidelines here, and you really can't go wrong if you pay attention to this. First of all, no hydrangea ever has to be pruned. I do get a little sad when I see last year's flower heads on this spring's bright new foliage, and if that makes you sad, you should take them away. I think now is a great time to take them away. I do tend to leave them up over winter because they look awesome with the snow falling on them, but I am over the snow, and so it's time for those guys to go. The other thing that you can remove are any dead or interior or skin branches. This is just flower logic. If the branch is dead, it's not going to produce a flower. If it's on the interior of your shrub, it may produce a flower, but you will never see it. The skinny branches might produce flowers, and those are the kind that flop. I would get rid of some of those. Like I said, you never have to prune hydrangea, but the more you take away, the more the plant is going to concentrate on the flowers that it does produce, and you might have a better show. So what to listen to while you're going through all this? I love to listen to gardening podcasts, and I hope mine becomes a gardening podcast that people listen to, but you're listening right right now. So let's move on. The first one that I fell in love with is called Gardener's Question Time. This is produced by the BBC and you can find it on Apple and probably other places too. It's an amazing organization, Gardener's Question Time. It's been around for over 70 years. Of course, it wasn't always a podcast, but it's a group of of really good horticulturists traveling around England and visiting with garden groups in various small towns. They do it all virtually since the pandemic started, but it's still very entertaining and very educational. They literally have people on it by the name of Bob Flowerdew and Pippa Greenwood. It's all about dubious horticultural humor, and they really have a good time explaining or going through the various problems that come in through these questions. They also tend to disagree with each other sometimes, and I find that really fun. So once again, that's Gardener's Question Time on BBC, and I do recommend it thoroughly. It comes out every week or maybe even more often. So that's it for Into the Garden with Leslie this time. I'm really into gardening, and I want to get you into your garden too. And here's a reminder that for any questions or corrections, you can get in touch with me via email at intothegarden at wina.com. We'll see you next week.